At 55 years of age, he left home for a trip that was supposed to be a few months, but he got sidetracked, didn't get home for another 14 years. Surprisingly, his wife was actually still there. Lucky she didn't try and keep his dinner warm. Then, not long after he's home, he heads out for an afternoon ride and doesn't come back for a year. Ian Coates is a -a one-of-a-kind adventurer. And today we catch up with Ian and get another little taste of enthusiasm, optimism, and adventure. It'll be right, according to Ian. I'm Jim Martin. This is Adventure Rider Radio. Stay with us. We got a good one for you. I'm Sam Manning. Ted Simon. Austin Vance. Simon Pavey. Brian Field. Helga Pedersen. Jocelyn Snow. Charlie Borman. Carl Parker. Simon Thomas. Lisa Thomas. Grant Johnson. Jimmy Lewis. Chris Jansen. And you're listening to Adventure Rider Radio. Best Rest Product is the maker of the Cycle Pump, the best tire inflator for motorcyclists. It'll inflate your flat tire in less than three minutes. Made in the USA. Comes with a lifetime warranty. They also distribute Google Tech filters. Cyclepump.com. And Green Chili Adventure Gear offers American-made, heavy-duty luggage systems for all types of motorcycles. You can turn any dry bag into luggage using their strapping system. And, of course, Green Chili Adventure Gear is tested in extreme weather and terrain to withstand the abuse that adventure riding gives it. Tough, reliable gear. GreenChiliADV.com. Ian Coates lives in the UK. He's a retired mechanic and what many would probably describe as an extreme motorcycle adventurer. Some years back... Ian got a phone call from somebody he knew that asked him to be a mechanic on an overland expedition. Uh, Ian immediately said yes, having no idea that the city they were departing from was actually in South Africa. He was thinking it was much closer to home. But no matter, when he found that out, he was game. He still would go. So off he went, leaving his wife and son to run his garage and to keep things going on a day-to-day basis. And as adventures often do, once he got there, this one had its hiccups and changes. And pretty soon the the person that was leading the trip left and the person that was looking after visas left. And Ian found himself not only being the mechanic for the group, but also the driver and the cook and the entertainer for this truck and setup that he was driving. Anyway, eventually, due to this lack of planning and organization, they were refused entry into the countries as they headed north in Africa. So the trip was scuttled. The owner told him, take the truck and crew back to South Africa and and get on a plane and fly home. Ian had another idea. He figured since he had to go to South Africa anyway, and then come home, he may as well have his son ship his motorcycle to Johannesburg, where he would ride his motorcycle home and have an incredible adventure. So he called up, he made the arrangements. His wife said, fine. He said, I'm going to be a few months, maybe four months. His wife said, go ahead. No problem. It would be another 14 years before Ian finally got home. And in the meanwhile, he roamed the globe back and forth aboard his trusty Africa twin. (laughs) Using no map, he's got a really incredible, unique style of travel. Now, you're going to get to know Ian a little bit more today as we chat about his 14-year adventure and what he's been up to since he's been back home and where he might be going next. But i got to point something out before we get started. Ian talks fast, and he's got a bit of an accent. Well, at least from my side of the pond anyway. So as long as you can understand this all right. She just pulled a face like a bulldog sucking piss off a thistle. You'll be in for some entertainment and thought-provoking conversation. When I got back after 14 years and I said I was going to be four months, she just pulled a face like a bulldog sucking piss off a thistle. So I can't remember, last time we talked, I can't remember where we left off. I know you were at home. Um, yeah. Did you Did you have, um, yeah, because I know you had an accident, you fell through the bar. Oh, when, yeah. That was oh, after, yeah. wasn't it? Oh, yeah, I had two accidents. Uh, when I got home, my passport had been running out. That's why I came, I'd come back home early. I was only 14 years away uh, in Russia. So I got home, and I was cleaning my barn out, and I fell through the roof. And... Uh, I, uh, I couldn't bloody move my legs. So I thought, hell, I am knackered. So I rung my lad up on my mobile phone and uh, and I said, I can't bloody move. It looks like I'm going to have to buy a bloody sidecar for my bike. I won't be able to balance. So he came up and they thought I were knackered. I'd broken my pelvis and some bits in back and some else. And, and like, it wasn't long before I were right. And then uh, I'd come home. And then I'd be home 18 months. And I were in the same building, same height, 
and I fell through then. When a lad came up on Sunday, I'm asleep on the floor, they thought. And my, my grinder were going with big cutting disc in nine inch, still plugged in, going around my bloody head and all over. And, and they looked at me and they tried to wake me up and I wouldn't wake up. And then he looked and uh, blood was coming down my nose and out of my ear. So, well, so he got doctors up and a lot of doctors. And then uh, they put me on a life support machine uh, uh, for three weeks. And then I came round a bit. And what I'd done, I'd cracked my skull. I was leaking uh, blood in my head, just like an old engine with oil leak. And then uh, I'd cracked all my right hand the ribs and two had gone in my lung, broke my collarbone and my shoulder. And uh, and then I run unconscious for three weeks and then I come a bit right. And then I came home after a while and uh, and got all right. But, they, you know, they uh, it was like, oh, months and months and then I hadn't been on a bike. So I got, got out and got on a bike and I just said, to, well, if I go for a little run now, I'm going. And I live in North Yorkshire, you know, up in, up in Hills. And uh, I rung her back up. I rode to bloody Portugal. And uh, <laughs> uh, she said, oh, are you, are you coming back? Because I'll be back this year, I think. And then uh, I, I came back and I were all right. But I've been to Spain a time or two. Hang on a second. Uh, so you, you went out for a ride for the afternoon and you ended up in Portugal. And then you said you're going to be back this year? Yeah. Oh, I'm right honest. I know 14 years. I better not be 14 years again. Let's go back and uh, and and just sort of recap what you've done. You, you spent fourteen years on the road. Just just how did you get on the road to begin with? With that, I'll just I'll just write quick, Jim. I'll just tell you, explain. I'm in my barn, and uh, my mobile phone rang, and this here chap wanted me to uh, fetch a Land Rover back from Johannesburg, and then I says, Ah, so where is it? Johannesburg. Says, yeah, I'll do it. When when do we go today? He says, Oh no, no, no. We'll let you know when. This Johannesburg, is it in bloody Wales or bloody Scotland? I've got the picture Land Rover back. She said, no, it's in Africa. I said, no, it can't be. What's nearest big city like to this Johannesburg? And he stopped. He says, uh, well, that'll be Cape Town. I said, all right, well, let, let me know when you're ready. So I was 55, and I adult wife, I'd be about four months. I was going on aeroplane and driving this here thing back. So I flew off to Johannesburg. I get it running and put trailer on. There were some people wanting a lift back. So I get to Kenya, and I don't bother with paperwork, and I got to Kenya. They won't let me into Ethiopia or Sudan. So I rang him up, and I says, right, uh, I can't get into next countries. I'm in Kenya. I says, well, take it back, Ian, and the passengers you've got, they'll have to come back on plane. You'll have to come back on plane. I says, all right, lad. So I turn around, and it's easy enough to find that the South Africa from Kenya is just down at bottom. So I start going down, and then I thought, I'll ring wife up and tell her. So I rung up home. I said, Judith? She says, oh, are you back? I says, no, I'm going back down again. I've been nearly home once, been to Kenya. But uh, they won't let me into Ethiopia or Sudan. Can you get our Jason to get me on the Africa Twin out at Cowshed? Clean it off first and make a wood box and send it to Johannesburg. But I might be just a bit over uh, four months. So she said, aye. So she sent it. So when I got it, I thought, I'll go to the bottom. So I went right down uh, to Cape Town, right at the bottom. You could find no more land left. Then I, I turned left when I got to the bottom, and I, I went through a place called Swaziland. I didn't know it was here. I went all the way around there, meeting people all the time, and then in, into Mozambique. But that was a bit dodgy, because there's landmines up, there little tracks I was going to. And then I turned round, I thought, I better go to the other side. So then I went back into Botswana, and then Namibia, Zimbabwe, and then Zambia, and then up to Malawi. And then I went to Tanzania, and then I got a lift on a boat to Zanzibar. That's a good place. I went round there. Didn't get lost much. Well, I did get lost, but it wasn't far off where I got on. Then I went to Kenya. Then I get to Ethiopia. Then I went into Rwanda. And then I tried to get into Sudan that way and they wouldn't let me in. So I came out and then I went um, back into, um, into Kenya and then I sneaked in uh, to uh, Ethiopia and then back out and then into Sudan. They didn't know I was here, but I got very lost in Sudan in a sandstorm. And uh, I just asked people where Egypt were. 
And then they finished, I went, found Egypt, and went through Egypt, right at top, into Mediterranean. And I got right at top, and then there was a ship there, so I got on it and finished up in Cyprus. And then I, I did round Cyprus, and then I went round a place called Rhodes. I thought, well, that's a strange name for a, uh, an island called Rhodes. I'll have a ride round Rhodes. So I went to Rhodes, and then Greece, and then Italy, and then France, and I were back home, it told me, it took me a year. And when I got back, wife says, oh, that, all them letters on the table are for you. So I had a look at it, and third and was saying, BSA Owners Club are holding a meeting uh, in Australia, uh, and uh, for two months they're going to run round, and uh, they'd like to fill a container up. So, oh, I said, I'll take my Africa twin. So I went down to Australia, and then I did all Australia, uh, and then New Zealand when I was here. And then I, I thought, I looked at the map earlier on, because I don't use maps, at an airport. And I thought, if I got to Argentina, that lump of land goes right at top uh, to Alaska, and then there's a bit of like English Channel water, and into Russia, I'll go that way. So I got to Argentina, went right down to Terra del Fuego in Ushuaia, uh, and then turned around and set off back, and I went round. When I'm going to these countries, I don't go right through them. I, I tour all the way around them. I did, and look on farms, helping farmers and mending stuff. Argentina, Chile, Uruguay, Brazil, Paraguay, Bolivia, Peru, Ecuador, Colombia, Venezuela. And then I got left, in a, left on a boat to Trinidad, Trinidad and Tobago. And when I was here, there were a big sailing ship, three-masted big sailing ship for... 150 foot long, 450 ton, on its maiden ride, voyage after being converted from a, a big fishing uh, ship to a three-masted tall ship, tall ship, sailing ship. But they had no engineer to get them through Panama Canal. Well, that had just done me right. So I put my bike on this big boat, but mechanic, I got it. In fact, it broke down going through Panama Canal and I mended it and they were right suited. And when I got through, I said, right, I'll get my bike off now. They said, we want you to stop on to New Zealand. They said, we'll be there in eight months. I said, all right, I'll go back. So, so, I, I was you, set so you're, you're leaving South America and you're packing up and heading off to New Zealand. Yeah, back. And then uh, I got come back and then got back to New Zealand. Well, all bikers in New Zealand, do I know? I went to look at them at pub. They were laughing like hell. Because they said, you should be in Alaska. And I told them what happened. They said, don't worry, we'll sort it out. So I went and they told me where to take a, my bike to a, a yard. And uh, they were sending some uh, fishing equipment into a big container going to Panama. So I put my bike in that. It went to Panama. I flew out, picked him up in Panama, just like that. And then uh, I rode all the way around Panama, Costa Rica, Honduras, El Salvador, Guatemala, Belize, Mexico, USA, Canada, up to Alaska. Got the dead horse up there in 2009. It had only taken me six years to get up. And then from there, I went to Russia, Vladivostok. And then I'm going across Russia and I saw a big ferry. And I thought, oh, I must be on the way to Sweden. I must be at top. So I got on this ferry and we went. And after three quarters of an hour, it docked, and they said, right, off. I said, well, aren't we going to end? He said, we're here. And it was called uh, Lake Baikal on a uh, big big lake in, in Russia, uh, Old Cajona Island or something they called it. Anyway, the Borats on the island, and they were right suited to see me because nobody goes on a bike there. And they were there about two or three weeks roaming around in my tent. And then I went, got ferried back, and then across Russia, and then... Uh, to Ukraine, had a good look round there, then Moldova, I never heard of it, but I were in it, and then Romania, Bulgaria, Turkey, Greece, Albania, Montenegro, Macedonia, Kosovo, Serbia, Bosnia and Herzegovina, Croatia, Hungary, Slovenia, Slovakia, Czech Republic, Poland, so then I went I went to Sicily, and then I went to Portugal, France, Switzerland, Germany, Luxembourg, Holland, Belgium, and back home. That were 99 I set off. It was only 2013 when I got back home. And I'd only been away 14 years. And I, I was 55 when I left. I was 70 then. And I did 250,000 miles on my bike. And then uh, come back home. And, and that was that. That was just 14 years. And a right good ride. 
14 years. Um, so what does your, your wife think of that? Well, when I got back after 14 years and I said I was going to be four months, she just pulled her face like a bulldog sucking piss off a thistle. And uh, and she says, well, where have you been? I said, well, you know. I said, you come to look at me seven times. I said, I know it's a lot, but we're fairly close together. She said, yeah, but when you were in uh, Trinidad and Tobago, you buggered off on that ship and left me there. I said, I it was sunny, wasn't it? So I had to go when I did because shit was setting off. And uh, but no, she's all right. She she just knows I'm, you know, I'm all right. So w- when you got back, yeah. after the fourteen years, have you yeah. went? Out, have you went out again? Oh, of course, I have been to Spain and Portugal, uh, and I'm getting my bike ready. Um, I've just been order some bits from a new, not Africa twin. Well, it's new to me. It's a ninety-one Africa twin of a right good people called Heavy Duties in Romania. I got it today. It just came today, Jim. I've got a parcel from Romania, uh, so I've that to put together. How old are you now? Seventy-seven. Seventy-seven. But, uh, but I haven't finished. I still work a ten-hour day. My, uh, my friends at CN Trading they deal in uh, nearly new uh, JCB load holes and excavators and stuff like that. And uh, when they have a rate rush on, they send them all over the world. And I've known them ever since they were little lads. They, they'll be old now. They'll be sixty. And uh, when they're getting somewhere a bit tricky or they're rushing, they ring me up. I've been there today and I go down and I work there for them, but I can work all day and night. It don't bother me. And uh, and that's it. And all the rest of the time, I just mend all my own stuff up. You, and, you mentioned and, on your 14-year trip, you don't use maps. You, you, you don't bother. No, I don't bother. Well, no, why, you don't. Talk about that. Why not maps? Well, because you've then got to go where bloody map says. When you're in Cape Town... Jim, you ask them where Kenya is, uh, where Egypt is, because you know Yorkshire ain't far off bloody Egypt. So I just make my way up. And when I, when I get lost, sometimes I pass the same place of a time or two. So how do you afford to do it? I mean, to leave home with well, an unplanned 14-year trip for most people would be impossible. Well, I, I had a lot of trouble because my wife gave me a check, a, a credit card uh, at first, and I couldn't get it to work. And it were months and months before I found out, you don't put your telephone number in when they ask a number. It's a number, and I ain't got a bloody number. Uh, so I used to go into banks with a passport and everything. And after about seven, eight months, wife told me what number was to put in, but I kept forgetting it. Uh, but I, I'm so all right. All I want is petrol, and uh, I just eat I just eat out. I eat a lot of dead animals. Uh, if I'm going up road and I see a birds eating some of the ground, that what they're eating is sensible. Birds won't eat rubbish. So I'll go over and book up birds off and look at it. I don't know what it is. And I'll skin it and I'll uh, make a fire and put it on it. And a maggot or two will come out. Well, if maggots come out, I get them and eat them. And then, and then I'm all right. And then if, if there's a bush and there's an animal like, like a bloody donkey or something like that, I don't know what different animals... But I never had no trouble with animals. I go up and see if it's back end's clean, didn't got shits, that's all right. I look at front, it's eyes, they aren't. It's ears all right, and its fur looks all right. Whatever it's eating, leaves on the tree, I'll eat the same. And then if there's any water, I purify my own water. And I've never had diarrhea, bad cold, sore throat, and out. So you're trying to tell me you, you, you survived traveling the world for 14 years eating roadkill? Only, only when I run out of... T- if there's a shop, I'll get like 30 tins of sardines and I put them all over my bike, hide them all. Well, I don't, I just put them. And then if you're riding on, you'll see somebody always in the wilderness makes some bread. I'll get some bread. And I'm a bugger for eating uh, bananas, make banana butties and uh, and all stuff like that. You know, and then uh, lots of times, but when I'm on farm sorting stuff out from my ride osses and uh, castrate bulls from and Dion bulls and sheer sheep, uh, they don't. They want to pay me. I won't, don't want the money. Just give me some day and somewhere to sleep. So they do that. Oh, I put my tent up, and I've no trouble at all. They want me to go back all the time, all over the bloody world. So when you're, what do you do? You look for a farm and you just sort of ride in and ask if they need help. Well, no, I'll just if, if I'm riding on, I'll see some cows. I'll stop and look at them, and I think they're all right. And then somebody always comes up to think, look, what are you doing? You know, and and I, I look, and I, I can't uh, speak their language. I just speak English. And I, I put my thumbs up, they're all right, or if they're down, I come like that. And then they always pick somebody out who couldn't speak, and I tell them what's up with cows and sheep and stuff, and 
And then they all that they all know how to use that internet machine. And they put my name in and look at me and my photographs on it, you know. And uh, they're right suited when they see me and they never when I ride horses as well, uh, around gowns up in Argentina and Brazil and Siberia, out middle of Siberia, I was riding, riding bloody, uh, around in cows up. Uh, they were so they want me to leave and finish up. I did a, a big uh, do for uh, Russian Red Cross. I've got photographs on me because uh, what they do, they come out, a team come out from a big city into countryside where I am normally, and they were there. And then individually, they go to little villages to sort to sort people out. But uh, I do stuff like that all the time, and then I carry it on. You said about um, you, you stop and you repair things for people and, yeah. and work at the farms and whatnot. What, what kind of repairs? Oh, oh, I can do it. I'm a mechanic. I'm not, nowadays, 99% of mechanics are new part fitters. They can't mend out. They put a new one on. Mm-hmm. Well, I used to mend uh, tractors. Uh, Costa Rica was best place. I came across two old Nuffield tractors uh, and I mended them. That in Costa Rica. But I can, I can mend anything. I can weld I can do hydraulics, I can castrate bulls, I can break horses in, uh, I can shear sheep, but office work, no good. Cities, no good. But lasting, uh, surviving wilderness, perfect, no matter what time of year it is. I mean, you know where it is. I'm going up, over to Jasper in bloody winter on my bike. Uh, and uh, they, they stopped me going over bloody big hill. They counsel a lot. And uh, they won't let me go in. I, I come from Vancouver Island. I'm going to see... Uh, a lad who used to be uh, Troy Bayless as head mechanic. I, well, like mine is 15, but it's all right. Because I had, uh, when it's right cold, uh, I, I go to the supermarket and get bits at once. And I put three supermarket bags on each foot and put my boots back on. And then uh, for me, gloves, normally, I just put two pairs of gloves on each, uh, two pairs of socks on it. And then that's it. But uh, and then sometimes it does get cold. I have to stop putting my hand on exhaust. But uh, they wouldn't let me go over this here big hill, so only four wheel drives could go over. So uh, I'm there with these here blokes who who stop me, won't let me go. Anyway, a young woman come up with a pickup four wheel drive, and I said, "Is our last going to get over?" Oh yes, four wheel drive. I says, "Well, I'm going to ask her to put my bike it back. That's all right." She said, "Yes, yes, yes." So these here lads, they all gave little workers who stopped me, you know, they give me a hand, put it in back, we roped it on, went down the other side, <laughs> and this woman says, but uh, Mr. Coates, are we going to get it off now down here? I said, you just drive steady, tell you, I tell you to stop. And then I saw a little garage on the left-hand side with a ramp. I said, stop here, love. So I went in, and I said, uh, excuse me, lads, do you speak English? And they said, yeah, yeah, we are yeah, we're Canadian. I said, well, well, that'll nearly do. I said, look, I need to get this my bike out the back of this pickup. Can you give me a hand? I said, if you've now done ramp, if we reverse the ramp, let ramp down, we can wheel it straight onto the ramp, and then pickup can pull away, we can let it down, I'm right. And then one or two of them were bikers. Anyway, uh, I got it out, and I thanked Lass, and she went, and then I stopped with these lad all day, and then she said, where are you going now? I said, I'm going up. Oh, no, I'm going over hill to Jasper and, and some other names. I, I can't remember all but their names. I said, all right. So I set off like it was a bit cold, but snowing a bit, but not bad. And then I went over there. And that's that bit. Then I stopped there for a bit. Why do you think that people want to help you when you stop places and, and have problems? Because I, I talk sensible all the time. And they know I've never been to university. My head full of mad dog shit. I'm a right sensible lad. I can do out. If I see people broken down at the side of the road, I stop. Um, uh, and and uh, garages, if I, want, I, I put on back suspension on my motorbike, uh, it's needle rollers and a pin. And I'm not a Sunday afternoon picnic rider on tarmac like most of them are. I go off-road into gravel and shit and river crossings. And they only last about 18 months and they want to freshen in. So I'm putting new ones in in, Arge- in New Zealand before I went to Argentina. And and when I took them in bits, I said I'm going. I thought I talked to myself. I'm going to drill this out. I'm going to put grease nipples in these, and then I can grease them every now and again, and and it's all right. So I did that. And if I saw a, a small wagon garage at side at road and they're working, I used to go in and borrow the grease gun and grease it 
And they didn't never want me to leave straight away. They were all suited with me because if they were mending out and having scratching their heads stuck, I used to tell them what to do. I've stopped two or three days at some garages mending wagons for them. Just for now, they let me slept in the garage in, uh, in my sleeping bag. And, uh, and them bearings that I put in in 2003 are still on now perfect. Perfect. Oh, I it. Yeah, you know, it's funny because I've thought about doing the exact same thing with the yeah. swing arm, and I don't understand it, why yeah. they don't do it from the factory with all the bikes. And when they don't put, they don't put grease nipples in, in, in steering head on top. No, I know. It should, be, put, it should be on um, the swing arm, the, the steering yeah, head. Um, yeah, they're clueless. But as uh, long as you know what to do, well, that's what I did. And, uh, and, and people know I'm sensible when I'm talking. You know, they know I've no paperwork or all that. Let me jump back to the afford it thing because yeah. all you really did yeah. was told us that you eat roadkill and very little else yeah. and you trade off some work for some food and everything like that. Yeah. How yeah. else do you afford 14 years on the road? Oh, well, I go. I tell you, I'll get my credit card and go into the bank. Yeah, but you got to pay the credit card. My wife is at home. She can pay it. <laughs> so your Hell. wife financed your trip for 14 years. No, it was my money as well. It was at bank. She, but she, she might have to spend it all, and uh, which were all right. You see... Jim, you've got to spend all your money before you die, or else them will get it, they'll just spend it. So all you've earned for, you've got to spend. But trouble is, I didn't think I was going to last this long. And I spent it all. <laughs> so I, I do work, I work up and down, but I'm not bothered. I've had a rate. That 14 year were absolutely marvellous. To ride horses like I did and meet different people. When I were in Kenya, I were riding with Argentina, um, Polo, Argentina Polo on this farm. Mm. This farm was so big, it had international uh, polo ground on. Uh, can, can you ride horses, Jim? Yeah, as a matter of fact, I grew up riding horses. Well, bloody hell, be careful of these. Because they said, can you, uh, uh, rounding cows up, and they said, do you want to go on with horses? They train 40 every morning. And then they're having a bit of a, a, a practice game with somebody. So I can ride them. I call them ponies, the only little. And I get on, but they are wick buggers. You go on. And if you hit ball with stick, it accelerates away and nearly throws you off bloody back after ball. But if you miss bloody ball, it whips around right quick to go back for it. Bloody hell, I nearly flew off lots of times. And uh, But that, I did that in Argentina. Oh, I did it again. No, that, that were in Kenya. I did it again in Argentina, uh, a big place there with horses. But uh, no, but you, I so you, you spent all your your money. Your, what did your wife get out of the fourteen years? I mean, you're spending the money traveling. What does she get? Me, not there. She's right suited. <laughs> it was it. worth the money for her. Okay. Yeah, so, I've been married fifty two years. So now that you're back, though, like since since you yeah, came back, yeah, rather, yeah. So you're back to work, right? Because you, you have to make money again. Well, I I help people who are blocked down because they say there's no mechanics left. They've all got. They don't start. I started work when I was fourteen working. Mm -hmm. Now they like. Uh, 1918, and they've been to school and they say the mechanics, but the only majority only can put a new part on. They can't mend it. Yeah. And they don't don't know what's knackered that part up. They'll just put a new new one. Oh, it's gone again. Oh, you know, same with my bike. Because you've got perfect. a shop, right? I had a garage, but I give it to my lad. Oh, because I see. Because I'd only been away 10 years, and she said, uh, she got a bit, you know, a bit grumpy. She said, and when are you coming back? I said, I don't know, I'll be back. She said, well, what about the garage? Because my wife were in office, you see, garage. My lad were, were there. I said, well, if I date tomorrow, what will happen to the garage? She said, well, I suppose our Jason will have it. I said, well, bloody give it him now. So I had to sign a paper to give out my, my son garage. And then the heat were off me. I could relax a bit more and have another few years. I didn't need to come back because I'm not bothered. I just like doing stuff. So you, you, did you spend all your money and you're having to work now? Yeah, I spent most of it. I there's a bit. Uh, I had a bit, but it, it's not so bad. She kept selling stuff off and getting brass, but it didn't bother me. You know, I mean, the wonderfulest thing. Anybody riding from Argentina to Alaska and they get on a bloody boat in Trinidad and go to all these islands, back to New Zealand, and then send it back from New Zealand back to Panama. But all the islands I visited in in, in Pacific. It bloody marvellous. Yeah. You know, yeah. It, it, I don't organise now, Jim. It, I just, it, as it comes, I do it. You know, so you couldn't organise what I've done. Hey, you're riding uh, You're riding old bikes, right? You, yeah. You're, you're always riding old bikes. What is it with the yeah. Africa Twin that you like so much? Because it's sensible. 
it's really sensible. What's sensible that, about it? Well, to go to do two hundred fifty thousand mile on a trip must be and all that shit and snow and everything. But uh, a lots of people they say, "Oh, the petrol pumps are no good." Oh, they, 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 and they put these aftermarket crap on. What it is, where your voltage regulator facts to your, for your battery in the loom, a connection isn't right good. It's one of them you just shove in. And what they don't make good contact, so it overcharges. And then that knackers your battery up, and your petrol pumps, like an old petrol pump, it has points in it, burns them out. So back to th- so people, if you've got petrol pumps burnt out, don't put a new one on like the old one, say no good. What's knackered that? Well, I know straight away, the connectors from my voltage regulator to my loom, the connections ain't good enough. You don't need to take them off. So I cut that off, throw it away, and solder all the wires up. So that's it forever. Mm. Uh, and then I put a voltmeter on top of my uh, dash, or my, you know, next to handlebar, so I can look at it. And uh, and that's and I put one new voltage regulator on it, and I put one new petrol pump, and that's done since '92. 1992. No, 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 I put them new ones on it, it's done. It's a 1992, it's only had one on each, you see. And I can I can keep looking down at my voltmeter regular. It's all right, 14 and... It's got an electric a, fuel pump on that? Yeah, electric one. Wow. Perfect. No wow. wrong with them. No, no wrong at all. And uh, only thing is, when you're in Bolivia, I get right high up on bloody mountains, there's no bloody air, and it, it runs right foul. And... Uh, what I have two uh, two uh, main jets to put in it, but it's a right ball ache to get carburetors off to put main jets in. But if you know it's running a bit dry up there, you, you know about it. So I just carry on running. Then when you get up there and go down to the valley bottom, it clears its throat and it's right. You rev hell, rev like hell, and it clear it. But if it did do, I could put jets in. But if you have fuel injection and all these. Other bloody fancy stuff that's all right for Sunday afternoon picnic rides on Darmac, they, 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 they won't go up there. I mean, to, to where I went, Jim, bloody hell. All, all, all in Peru, right in top, where glasses is, I'm up there. Mm-hmm. You know, no trouble at all. Then next news, two days I'm on coast and it's warm. I still but don't get why so- you have a fuel pump on, on a carbureted bike. Well, I'll tell you, Jim, they have petrol tanks on. That's lower than the carburetor. Yeah. Well, that would be the only so, explanation for it, of course, but it just seems a weird they thing. It, they have to get it up and into it. Mm-hmm. Now then, I sorted it. I'm, I'm going up through oh, Greece, and this, ne- nearly going out to bloody Greece, and at right-hand side, there's an Africa twin, older like mine, parked on like in a big open space. So I pulled up. Every, if I ever see a bike, I go and see it. So I pulled over, and, and there's nobody about. And next news, an Africa twin came with a lad on bike. And uh, they're looking at me and my bike suited. And I says, what's up? He said, oh, no, no, no. The petrol pump, no good. We need new pump. We cannot get one. We have to be back home uh, tonight. I said, where do you live? At bottom of bloody Greece. I said, Christ, I've just left here this morning. And I says, is that all that's up with it? Yeah. So I always carry spare fuel on my bike. I had a, a gallon at once each side. So I put that in. And I have a drain tube, and I drained some out of this other lad's bike, who was running all right, and I filled it right at top. This lad's bike would broken down because fuel pump won't work. And then I have some pipe where I can take the pipe off the fuel pump and connect it by dug up fuel pump, go straight back into the tank. And because it's so high, it'll shove it up into the carburetor. And I said, right, start it up now. They looked at me a bit droll, and it started. And I said, right, we'll go back to the nearest garage. I'll follow you. And I said, you go, you, uh, the lad's bike running good, who has siphoned petrol out. I said, you go in front, you lad who's brung down, follow him and I'll follow you. So we did. And we got to the garage and we filled both his bikes up and my two cans. And I said, right, carry on now to where you live. And after 40 miles, they don't understand miles when they see a new bloody kilometre things. And uh, I said, oh, I said, ah, about about 80 kilometres. I said, stop, and I'll fill it up to the top again. So we did that, and he got right home. And he was so bloody suited with that lad. <laughs> and uh, he said, where are you going now? I said, I'm going back to Yorkshire, England. I'm going up hill. So I stopped night at his house, 
and then next door, next morning, I set off back up, back up through uh, Greece again. Wow. And it's, it's, you just basically are going, we're going wherever you wanted to go and anything that came up, it, you yeah. just went for it. Yeah. Especially at farms in, in wilderness. I was there all bloody time with cows and fancy cows. And, um, uh, in Ecuador, I saw that some cows out from, they were getting uh, altitude sickness, what Frisians up in right up because Ecuador, it's near equator, but right high up and grass grows up there, but right bloody high. And they have uh, dairy cows, Frisians, and if they put them to the top, they get mountain sickness. It's a bit comical. So we got, we got them down over there a long time. And I, I crossed them uh, with, uh, what the hell, a different breed. Jerseys, Jersey cows. I, I crossed them with them. Now, Jersey cows don't give as much milk, but the quality is better. But they, Jerseys, the South can uh, uh, survive that high. So we crossed Frisians with them, and they were all right. And that's just that one bit. But it, it, it happens all the time. I'm mending cows in Guatemala as well, uh, doing them up. So, but I'm in no rush, Jim, you see. Life's very short. Mm. And I work day and, day and night till I've been 50. If I hadn't gone for this Land Rover at 55, I'd have still been working here all my life and missed all this. We're going to take a two-minute break here while I tell you about a couple of things that help make this episode possible. When we come back, we've got a lot more from Ian, including some advice for would-be adventurers. Stay with us. You know, I always think it's great when a product is born from necessity, especially in necessity, adventure, you know, and for us from riders, the Atlas Throttle Lock is one of those inventions. David and Heidi Winters were riding around the world two up on their KTM, frustrated with their throttle lock of choice, and they thought there had to be a better way. It's one of those inspirational stories. Actually, we tell their story on Adventure Rider Radio. If you go to our website and just search for David or Heidi Winters, um, you'll, you'll hear the episode that we did on them. Anyway, in case you don't know what a throttle lock is, it's really it's just a mechanism that holds your throttle in position so that when you're riding along at a steady speed, and you want to maintain that speed, um, you just set your throttle lock. Um, there's a huge advantage to it. Uh, one is is relieving the pressure on your hand, relaxing your hands. Um, but in any case, once you start to use them, you'll find out just how handy they are. Kind of like cruise control, actually. But cruise control adjusts, you know, it'll adjust your throttle up and down. If you hit a hill, a throttle lock doesn't. It just holds your throttle steady. And unless you have a new bike that's ride-by-wire, you couldn't have cruise control on it. So that's why we use throttle locks. Now, I've used them for years but it's only recently that I got to try the, the Atlas and it's a game changer. It's mechanical art, really. That's what I like to say about it. It's beautifully designed. It has a push button engage and a push button disengage. It literally solves all the problems of my old throttle lock and more. Um, the Atlas is smooth to operate. It can be moved from one bike to another so you don't have to give it up if you decide to sell your ride. It's simple to install and even easier to use. Now, here's how it works. Once you're at the speed that you want to hold, you just simply use your thumb to press the engage button and it's smooth and it's solid and it just holds it there. Now, if you decide after it's engaged that you want to maybe throttle up or throttle back for any reason, you can go ahead and do that. It doesn't matter. It slips. But as soon as you let go of it or as soon as you release it in that position, it will hold the throttle in that position. It is an extremely handy handy item to have if you're doing any sort of riding, in particular, any sort of distance, um, I think the Atlas will change the way you ride. Their website is atlasthrottlelock.com. And uh, anytime you're dealing with them, throw in there that you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio. Again, atlasthrottlelock.com. IMS Products has been making parts for motorcycles since 1976. They've been making parts for racers all this time. And just about every off-road racer runs IMS uh, products on their bikes. And um, they make products for us, too, with that same quality, IMS foot pegs. They have a full line of foot pegs for adventure motorcyclists that will suit your riding style. And they're all made in the USA. They all come with a lifetime warranty. They're all made with the same top quality manufacturing process. And they look really good as well. So it's a, it's a huge bonus. Check out what they've got. It's imsproducts.com is a website. Anytime you're dealing with them, throw in there that you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio. imsproducts.com. What would what but, would happen if when you came back your wife wasn't there anymore? I'd bug her off straight away. 
to shut a tome. <laughs> I, I, I want that hesitated. I'd turn around and off like Bogarat. Well, 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 answer me this. W- yeah. What did you discover about yourself while you were on this adventure? What, what, what sort of uh, revelation did you have uh, about yourself? I should have done this earlier. I shouldn't have waited until I was 55. I, sh- I should have. But you see, my lad's now 52 and my lass is 50. I had to wait till they're grown up a bit, you see. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're right good. Right good. Uh, they're right sensible. Yeah, but he, and, you're, uh, so your son is is fifty and fifty two, yeah, fifty two, and he's he's yeah. working at the garage that you gave to well, him. Well, yeah, no, he's having excavators and diggers. Oh, I see him regular, and if there's isn't shit, just call him me up or mm. come up and I'll mend something for him. I've I've seen him today coming here. I said he knows why I'm coming on with you, Jim, and I, I slowed down. He said, "No, go on, carry on, Dad. Go on, we're right. You keep going." <laughs> so I said, "All right, lad." So, but but you know, what advice do you give him or what advice would you give somebody else? Would you tell him now that like, if you've got enough money saved up, time to pack it in and hit the road and experience I, 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 life? You can't go with a friend because if I'd have gone with a friend, it wouldn't have been a good, I'd be thinking about them all the time or this. Go by yourself. You've only yourself to look after. Now that most people can't do it because they've been fetched up wrong. They've been fetched up in right posh houses. I were fetched up up on tops, we had no gas and electricity, and water came out the hillside in a pipe, and slugs and worms came out. We had got them and threw them away. And, uh, and my mother and father were right good. They, all, they worked, both of them worked. And, and it's just, but when, but when you, you, you went out for meals, and you're in an air conditioned room, and you've got central heating in, and you've got these clothes and that clothes, I'm just like a wild animal that's gone tame. And, uh, and that's it. But so you must go by so so as far as far as advice goes here here's what I'm looking at so yeah. your son I mean he he's working there or anyone else for instance yeah. in that in that um in that place in life in that time in life yeah. now yeah. is it about travel is it is it travel that you need to do is that the essence of life to get out there and discover and explore and meet new people or is it just to do things out of the norm or something else well it's just what you want lots of people uh, couldn't do it. But if you do, even if you have a good mate, go in, but don't try to do as what I do, but go uh, uh, to uh, on, on your bike and, and get sensible bikes and then just go uh, to nice places and meet people and uh, always take a tent with you and sleep in a tent. You see, what I did, I, pu- I put my tent up and I put my guy ropes to back at bike and then if some bugger wanted to pinch me back, they'd tow me tent away and wake me up. <laughs> so that's what I used to do. And uh, and just just do what you want to do. I mean, New Zealand's bloody beautiful. Best place in the world is South Island, New Zealand. The only thing is, there's people and sheep and sheep shit. And that's it. And you can leave out anywhere. But nice. Um, a, a Victor Victor lad who, uh, who met me in... in uh, Barcelona, he's a nice lad. In Spain, Spain's nice. But I don't like cities. It's countryside alike and wilderness. And if there's no hotels, everybody wants to go into an hotel where there's M- M- Wi-Fi. Well, I'm not into that. Uh, I'd rather stop outside or on a farm and meet people. I don't talk about politicians. I talk about football or religion. I don't talk, talk about all that because I don't understand it anyway. And uh, And that's it. I just have no trouble. I don't mind if it's on water. I go on water. So is it the people? Is it is it yeah. meeting people or is it seeing Me, yeah. scenery? No, it's seeing uh, people and scenery, mm-hmm. uh, really. But I can't do with cities. Oh, do me head in and big towns. It's a wilderness. Just get away from it. And I always have lots of things to say, a sardines on my bike all over. And I, I purify my own water. And I never, never hear look, but... Most people, you see, now want want a good meal and they want a good bed and they want to to go on to the Wi-Fi. You know, it's different, do but it's right boring. Well, and we can all we all only know what we were brought up with, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and obviously you're very different than than most people. Um, with that, with advising somebody, with giving somebody yeah. some some advice. Yes. Is it about getting out there, like and meeting oh, yeah. people? That's that's what I mean. Is it about yes. like? Do you think that that life is sort of you've cheated yourself basically if you go through your whole life and you don't do something crazy like this? If you want to yeah, call it, it crazy, if if you have a don't have a a, a posh shiny bike, but just a, a good bike, 
And if you, I had no trouble, I got to villages and looked and they came where I can put my tent up. And then people come and, and, uh, and bikers and I point where I want to sleep and come back. And, uh, but if there's two of you, it's all right. But don't have great shiny brand new bikes and all new clothes on because you'll get bloody robbed. Robbers used to stop me in Central and South America and give me stuff. <laughs> they used to bloody give. And, and when I was going in capital of Colombia, uh, further up, they told me, don't go over the mountains, the FARC are there, them at the uh, security men for drug people. Anyway, I'm looking at a sound said, Honda. I thought, bloody hell, named after my bike. So I turned and went up it over the mountain and my bloody clutch cable broke. I thought, bloody hell, I had to drive, ride it without clutch. So I'm going on, and then after the same day, there were some security men stopped me. Now then, the FARC uh, men who were like looking for drug men have all new clothes on, and, uh, and governments have just, oh, army have not so good. Anyway, these are FARC, so I, I stopped, and I told them, and I, I'm laughing like hell, told them to put the K- AK-40s down, down, and give me a shove. And I showed him my cable, handed to me at left hand, showing it, waggling it, and my lever. And they looked, and they did do it. They put them down, gave me a shove. I had it running, and then they shoved it, and then I clicked into gear and put my hand up, and that were it. They am three times going over. <laughs> <laughs> over hill. When I got to the other side, at bottom, uh, some bikers come, and I said, I want cable, cable. Oh, yeah, yeah. So they said, follow, follow. So I followed them, we know, but clutch. And then I did it there, and they said, good job, it happened on the raid. Good job you didn't go over the mountain pass over there. I said, I've just been bloody over it. He said, oh, you look at the FARC, didn't stop you. So they stopped me three times and showed me every time to get going. Now then, Jim, if I'd, if I, if there'd have been a few of us and if I had a GPS and a mobile phone, they'd have bloody had us right. But because <laughs> I'm my bike, mechanically perfect, but it looks bloody rough, I never wash it to clean it. And I don't look too good. They know I were all right. You know, they can tell people straight away. And, uh, but absolutely, anybody say, don't go down with the bad weather, I'll go. They shouldn't say it. Well, <laughs> when I went in winter from uh, Vancouver Island up to Jasper, do you know where Jasper is? Don't we up there? Mm-hmm. I stopped up there with a train driver for a while and uh, they were eight suited. And Glenmore, Glenmore, I'll finish up as well. You know, it's just all right. But no, you can do it. Two of you together, but. You have to. You can't do as wild as what I did in wilderness. You have to go, you know, nice and steady. But it, it's all right. If I had some brass, what I'd do, I've seen posh people do this, uh, wealthy people, they put the bike on a plane and send it somewhere and then they fly out. And also it's cleared at customs then and then they can carry on. And it's the same bike I have now that I go out all over that's done now just over 300,000 miles now. What, what's but, the um, what's the basics that you would say that you need for traveling with your motorcycle? Uh, ain't bloody much, Jim. <laughs> some spanners, or some wheel brakes, uh, some spanners, uh, some tie levers, uh, a pump that you use uh, from mountain bikes, uh, inner tube or two, some patches. And uh, and that's it. It's right. That's it. it that's, what you, that's what you're that's what you're riding with, and everything else that you you need, you get on route. Yeah, that if I need, oh yeah, yeah. And uh, tires, I use any bloody tires, as long as they're rubber and round side. I'm not bothered what make they are. I'll put them on and be right. What about personal then, gear then? Oh, I don't know. No, no, I don't. It's right. I'm just get me. I, I just know. I have some boots until they go knackered or jacket and, and then I put out. And I, I'm not, not bothered. I don't I don't bother about out. And so you don't have to worry about out. So you're um you're 77 now. Yeah. I feel 27 actually. What what happens now? What what what's your plan? Well, it, when, when they see a disease has gone around the world, I'll bugger off somewhere. I've got oh got to go to Moscow. And uh what I'll do, uh, my, my, my wife and my lad and my daughter worry about me, think I'm getting old. So I'll put my bike in my van and I'll bugger off to Moscow and uh, to see bikers there and get my bike out and leave van somewhere and then bugger off around Russia for a bit. 
But it's such a long place, you know, it's Russia. Christ. But I'd like to go to Japan as well. So it's just the other end and get a ferry from Vladivostok up to Japan. But uh, and, and that's that's how I organise stuff. Wow, Ian, that's uh, it's great to sit down and talk with you again. Uh, I look forward to, to talking to you after your next adventure. Well, uh, hi. Well, you'll be an old chap by then. <laughs> well, when you get a bit fed up, get on that plane to Manchester. I'll pick you up, fetch you back to our house. <laughs> well, we and may then, do that. Well, of course, when COVID goes away, you know. Yeah, once it's ready, I'll live up. But all there is is sheep and sheep shit and, uh, and wilderness, and, and there is note. But, uh, yeah, you do that. Thanks, Ian. Great, Jim. Thank you. I've been speaking with Ian Coates from his home in the UK, planning for his next adventure. Now, we had Ian on some years back with his story about that 14-year trip in a lot more detail. Now, if you'd like to hear that, we've got a link uh, to that episode in the show notes for this episode on our website at adventureriderradio.com. Hey, I just want to remind you that this episode has been brought to you by Green Chili Adventure Gear, greenchiliadv.com, Motobreeze Chain Oiler at motobreeze.com, and Best Rest Products at cyclepump.com. And we'd really appreciate it if anytime you're dealing with these companies, anytime, email or otherwise, let them know you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio. Well, that about wraps up another episode of Adventure Rider Radio, and we sure hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as we did making it. Special thanks to our producer, Elizabeth Martin, and of course to you, the listener. Thank you very much for listening. And if you're not supporting the show already, we need your support. This show is built on a model of some advertising and listener support to make the whole thing work. Our website is AdventureRiderRadio.com. We've got a link on there for support, a bunch of different ways you can do it. Anything $10 or more gets you an Adventure Rider Radio sticker for your toolbox or your pannier. Anything $50 or more gets you a mention on our Raw show, a shout out that we do each month and that brings me to the other thing i was going to say is that we do another show called raw arr raw that comes out monthly once a month we have a round table talk there about motorcycle travel it's great fun it's very popular but you do need to subscribe separately all that is available at our website adventureriderradio.com now it's time if you can to get out there and ride your bike my name is jim martin thank you very much for listening i'll talk to you next week My name is Carolis Melauskas from Be Coldest Ride and you are listening to Adventure Ride Radio. (laughs) 